It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me from twinfo.com.au, it's Naomi Dolan. Hey, Naomi, how? Well, first of all, how was Easter? Happy Easter. And how did your Easter go? Yeah, happy Easter to you as well. Look, it was a very different one this year, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, talk about trying to make the best out of a situation. I sort of thought going in, we can do this. And halfway through, I'm like, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I must say, yeah, we uh, it, we had a very quiet weekend, obviously. We didn't mm. go anywhere. So mm. um, normally we're a massive camping fan. So it's the first Easter in forever that we haven't camped along with most of Australia, you know, like it's, we're no different from everybody else. But it's really, really, um, yeah, it was it was sad not yeah. being camping. Yeah. You didn't uh, pitch the tent in the backyard and go that size. So, so many people doing no. it, which I thought was, oh, you know, pretty good to try and get in the spirit. I have seen that. Um, I know lots of people have, but um, we camp so frequently that, um, I yeah, there was no way I was going to put it up just for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, um, it's losing, its, it's lost its novelty, that sort of, you know, trying to make the best of the situation. Now everybody's just a bit like, okay, we're over it. Yeah, and I think now people are really struggling um, to come up with things to amuse the kids. It's amazing how much you rely on going out and about, even just... Um, you know, going to the shops and taking the kids with you, it's still an outing for them. Mm. Well, we did talk last week briefly about the fact that you are actually continuing to school home the kids during the, well, what they're, they're calling now the school break. It's not a school holidays because it's not holidays, but um, you're actually continuing to keep the kids in what with their school because you don't know what else to do, basically. I yeah, I mean, I still need to work because, mm. I mean, I work from home. I still need to work. So for me, at least, I can, you know, they're eight, they're in year three. I can build a, a bit of a routine and we've just continued that through the holidays. We did have, I did give them Easter off because mm. um, also then Dave was home, obviously, from work as well. So uh, there were two of us around to sort of play badminton with them in the back garden and do this and do that with them. Um, but, yeah, I must admit they definitely had a bit more screen time than they normally would. I think everybody's doing that. I mean, it's it's oh. hard not to. I know, I mean, obviously my boys are only at preschool, they're four, but I, I don't know if you remember, like I'd only just got them into preschool and then we actually took them out of preschool for, for nearly two weeks because we went away and then they actually got a cold yeah. so I kept them out of preschool for another week. And then we only went back to preschool for about three days before we were told not to go back to preschool. So these poor kids have been in and out and in and out with no stability. But even in those few days, I got used to having that downtime to myself to be able to sort of get a few things done. And I'm back to 24-7 with these two four-year-olds at home. And I, I'm i grateful I've got them to keep me busy, but they are driving me up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably not alone there. We've been going really lucky, I must say. We haven't had too many bust-ups or anything, and we've had no tears yet. I say yet because it will come. Um, I did find on Monday um, that my daughter was quite crotchety and short-tempered. Um, and I actually think I'm also putting that down, A, to the extra screen time she had, but B, to the extra sugar that she had. 
Um, you know, it was kind of the come down from the sugar high. Uh, so she was a bit sort of crotchety with everybody. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a long six months if this is what we're going to get. But mm. she's fine again today. I think it was just overtiredness, too much sugar, too much screen time. We're back into our routine now. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're doing school. We've already done a school morning of school. Uh, the kids are currently out in the back garden doing their PE lesson. Um, in other words, <laughs> bouncing on the trampoline. Hey, um, they're active. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What did you do for Easter? Well, we also did absolutely nothing. I was lucky enough to have one day of work on Saturday, which was my mental health break literally for the last six days because I just, I, I'm not leaving, like yourself, I'm not leaving the house at all, but we don't have the same routine. Although having said that, I'm trying to put something together because the kids are just, you know, all over the shop. But, um, you know, Chris was back and forth between work and then we, we literally spent most of our weekend just getting stuff done around the house. That was it. Like we've still got we've got renovations we haven't finished, so we've knuckled down and we've been doing an on ensuite. Oh wow! <laughs> so oh, well Chris, done. so Easter Sunday we did the Easter egg hunt for the kids, and then we knuckled down and we're putting in toilets, we're putting in a vanity. Oh, fantastic! You know, hey, look, this is. The silver lining That's to this it. situation. And even this morning, I was up early doing some work, and I thought I'll just you know start. My, my wardrobe looks like a bomb hit it and we need to refloor it. So I'm going to systematically use my extra hours to work through that as well, which is it's good. But then, as you know, when you've got two small twins, they're just into everything. So you sort of knuckle in to do a task, but one of you's always got to be entertaining them, getting the snacks, getting the drinks, watching someone on the trampoline. Otherwise, they have a meltdown. So it's it's good, but it's oh, everything takes so much longer. Oh, I know. Gosh, I get yeah. I, I remember vividly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it doesn't change. Oh. Uh, you never forget it, I should say. Uh, but it was, you know, we made the most of it. Uh, it was strange not to have, but uh, I can't honestly say it felt like Easter. No, I agree with you. And I think that's I- probably a better way to almost look at it. Like we almost, you know, we, we did do the little, you know, the Easter bunny came for the kids, but we didn't. Other than that, we didn't really do much. We didn't have any big outings, obviously, and we didn't have any big meals because we don't really do that ourselves as the four of us. So, yeah, it, it, it certainly didn't feel like Easter. No, I think um, everything just feels a bit different, doesn't it, at the mm, moment? It's just strange, and it's strange, I think, also because we don't know where we're sort of going with it all. Like, you know, where's the outcome? How are we all going to get out of it? What's the next stage? So I think everyone's like, okay, where do we go from here? <laughs> it's a bit weird. But anyway, I'm sure we'll find out. Um, but I guess to everybody out there, let us know how you spent your Easter. Yeah, definitely. Head to our Facebook page, Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast, and share with us um, your Easter pictures and things like that. And we'll um, share them with our audience and hopefully you know, it'll be a memory in the years to come. Well, I did say to everyone, we'll never forget this Easter. Even though it doesn't feel like Easter, we'll never forget it. Hey, we're going to talk this week about um, some of these struggles in terms of getting some of the additional needs for your kids, uh, be it medical or um, support or any of that, um, because we're both in that situation. It is a very timely one because we had a bit of an episode on the weekend, which I'll share with you coming up next. We'll do that next on Talking Twins and More. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. And Naomi, we're going to talk-
talk a little bit about um, some of those extra things that you might need for your kids that are a little bit harder to get your hands on with COVID-19. Yeah, because it's definitely affecting us and I'm sure it is you, but um, some of the things I think are great, um, but I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the long-term effects. Mm. Well, I guess in in your terms of what you're talking about being great, um, you know, obviously there's a schooling system in place that is helping parents albeit working parents like yourself, try and battle your way through doing both and multitasking to get the basic principles of education. But one of the things we've been talking about on and off over the last few weeks is the extra things that, for example, both of our children need that are becoming harder to get your hands on. Absolutely. Um, I know for us, um, all of our sort of therapy sessions that we're not doing, Mm. um, you know, that is starting to worry me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't want to lose the, the extra strength and everything that they've built up during mm-hmm. the, all the physio sessions and things like that that they do. So how um, often were your kids, because talk us through that, um, if people haven't been aware of, of previous podcasts, um, what your kids require in terms of physio ETC every week? Okay, so basically um, both my children have a condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, EDS, and it's joint hypermobility. Mm. Um, and what they need to do is it's a preventative. There's nothing that will ever fix it. But what we can do is just make them as strong as possible. And that, in turn, will help them um, from dislocating um, hips and knees and popping joints in and out, left, right and centre, and um, and a lot of just joint injuries, basically. Mm. Um, so we were on a very strict regime which included things like um, an hour of park play and these are like what the doctor has told us to do our rheumatologist Mm. and so we were driving around going to different parks and trying to find challenging parks and spending a lot of time um, at parks and things like that can't do that now swimming lessons we had to do we have to do swimming lessons can't do those we don't have a pool Um, you know we were swimming a couple times a week Um, with swimming lessons, can't do those. Um, And then we were meant to do, we were doing physiotherapy. So we had joined a gym and we're doing three gym sessions a week and can't do that now. So all of everything that we were doing, all we're doing now really is, um, thankfully we've now got a dog and we're now just walking the dog twice a day. But that's nothing compared to, um, you know, a couple of swimming lessons, yeah. three gym sessions, an hour of, of dedicated park play, um, plus all the other little bits and pieces in between that we would do. It's a huge impact. And when you hear, you know, like Prime Minister Scott Morrison saying things like, you know, we don't want kids to lose a year of their lives, it's a good comment. But as you said, there are so many other additional factors that go into a, a you know, three months, six months or a year of a child's life. And, and these are some of them. I mean, you must be scared about how their development's going to go because it's such a crucial age as well. They're growing so quickly. It is because we actually stopped it over Christmas the year before um, because both children got the chicken pox. So we just couldn't go anywhere. And so we just we just kind of put a halt to everything. We cancelled all, all their lessons and everything and we just stayed at home. Um, and we noticed a huge difference um, in their schooling. Um, Oliver just couldn't sit still because he just lost all of his core strengths. Um, which we had worked really hard in the year before to build up. And we lost it in the space of um, eight weeks. 
Oh, my God. Isn't that frightening? And so now this really worries me. And, mm. yes, I know I can do it myself from home. But, hey, I'm trying to juggle a work, my, working from home, still running a house, looking after my two children. Now I'm schooling them, plus I need to do um, physio activities with them. And that's not just something I can send them off to do. I need to actually be there to get them doing the crab walking, the push-ups, the stretches, mm. the you know, yeah. and to do that strengthening and conditioning. And we're just going to go backwards so when school does go back he's not going to be able to sit at his desk again we're going to have problems with him you know wanting to get up and stretch and move all the time and just then generally then going to be disruptive in the classroom and then that's going to impact on him mentally because he's at an age eight where you care what your friends think and and all those sorts of things absolutely So the repercussions are enormous they are, they really are, and I'm really worried about how we're going to, um, I guess, regain this lost time. Now, our physio is fantastic. She called me and she's like, look, I'm going to set you up a program. I'll send it through to you. And I'm like, yep, that's great. But, I mean, let's be realistic. When am I going to squeeze mm. this in? I am flat out now. With There's not a spare moment in the day. You know, we're going to have to sort of, I guess, sacrifice some of the schoolwork. Yeah, in terms of, so it's just, it's a balancing act and we're all just learning how to juggle it. Yeah, and I think that's what everybody's doing. Are you finding the workload that school has said is reasonable? Oh, I can't tell you that yet because um, we're actually technically still on school holidays. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so next week uh, there, there's work allocated and everything. So I'm not sure how long it's going to take. I have seen online though that um, for the year three kids um, that we should be able to do it in sort of three three, three and a half, four hours Okay. Um, because they don't have the distractions of all the other children and, mm. um, you know, it's one-on-one, well, mm. in my case, one-on-two learning. Um, it's individualised and things yeah, like right. that. So but it, get, it takes I'm, it quicker, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they do get through the tasks a lot mm. quicker when it's just the two of them. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. I mean, I'm in the same situation in a different scenario and that is um, – I mean, obviously, Hunter's got global developmental delays, so we spent a year last year getting him into the NDIS, and we only got our NDIS funding in January this year, at the end of January, and then we were away for two weeks in February. So um, my plan was always to come back and, and, you know, change our provider because we were with Community Health. Um, They can no longer take you as soon as you've got your NDIS funding because you have to go through an NDIS provider. So they're, they're different channels. Um, mm-hmm. So it's quite stressful because we've spent 12 months and we were extremely lucky because the NDIS took so long and stuffed up our claim. Um, we were very lucky that we were in the community system. So Hunter had a year of OT and he had a year of speech. But, you know, we, we now are no longer in the community program. So we've lost contact with our speech and our OT or we've lost the ability to be taken in by them. But we're not yet established with an NDIS um, provider. So, you know, I put in a couple of calls before this all happened at the end of February and we were in the process of of setting up an appointment to get his first assessment with an NDIS provider locally. And then suddenly everything's gone into lockdown. You can't do face-to-face appointments. So my son now doesn't have an OT or a speech therapist. Yeah, right. Now... Just over 12 months ago, when my son just turned three, 
he could not string more than two or may basically could only have one word if he was lucky he couldn't string two syllables together so mummy was an issue now we've worked really really hard with him to get him to the point where he has some basic sentence but his clarity is very bad and he's got a lot of speech issues but we also have a lot of behavioral issues we have massive meltdowns we have tantrums we have huge sensory issues and we have a lot of food related issues now he's been in food therapy with OTs for eight months now and that to us is critical because we have a huge number of meltdowns over food and we we really struggle to diversify any of his food knowledge and while we're in contact with our dietitian over the phone having that one-on-one support with the OT and then putting him in group therapy where he's learning to interact with other kids and eat or try and try different textures and stuff around other children has been really vital to his development. So here I have a four-year-old who now no longer has speech or OT therapy and yet I've got, you know, weighing on my shoulders the fact that I know how important early intervention is. And same thing, I'm terrified we're going to lose six months or a year of his early intervention and that's going to set him back at the age of four, probably another two, three years as he starts to head towards school. Yeah, see, that's really, that's stressful. Mm. And, and I, really... I don't know what to do because I'm trying to contact these providers and it's like, well, okay, even if we can get sort of an assessment, trying to do an assessment with a four-year-old over a Zoom session is actually not a tangible thing for food sensory and speech issues, not when they don't know the child yet. That Yeah, I think definitely if you've already got an established rapport with them, um, I think that we probably could have managed our speech online mm. um, for Alexis, but she'd been going to the same speech therapist for several years, so she knows her and she knows the routine and she knows what she has to do, um, mm. plus she's much older. But, you know, doing an initial assessment and a whole new a whole new way of, mm. yeah. Has, what, what about, have you done any telehealth conferences or calls or anything yet? I haven't yet, um, but I was thinking of, to be fair, and I know we're going to talk about this in a couple of minutes as well, but I'm pretty terrified to take the kids or do anything with them and they we, we haven't had the need to use telehealth yet. So yeah, um, it's, okay. it's something we haven't used. Have you used it yet? No, we haven't, but um, well, I think, yeah, we probably... Yeah, we almost should have last night um, to try to get an emergency appointment because, I mean, we, yeah. What happened? We, yeah, yeah, tell us what happened. Oh, so what day was yesterday? Um, Monday. Tuesday, Monday. <laughs> Monday Sorry, okay. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. They're all what day is it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so Sunday, uh, Oliver fell off. His, no, I take that back. Saturday, Oliver fell off his scooter mm. and and really hurt, um, grazed his elbow quite badly, um, his hip and his knee. Hip and knee weren't too bad. They were just, you know, gravel rashes. Um, But the one on the elbow was pretty bad. He came obviously back crying. We dealt with that. Um, Then the following day, pretty much 24 hours later, he fell off his bike and landed in the exact same spot. So now has two grazes on his knee, just a centimetre apart, two on his hip, a centimetre apart, and two on his elbow. And it's really, it is quite a mess, that one. Mm. Um, Now, with the Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, it does mean that they scar really easily. Mm. And so when they have 
what would normally almost be a minor, well, it's not minor, but it's, it's certainly not major. Um, but for us, it is because, you know, this can cause permanent scarring. They get keloid scars and it can really turn quite disfiguring. Mm. So I was kind of tossing up, what do we do? Do we go up to ED to get them to clean it properly and to try and fix it up so it's not going to scar too badly? Do we leave it? Um, and we just decided that not to go. Mm. Um, and then I couldn't sleep last night because I was thinking, oh, should we have gone? Should we not have? Um, and I've got some really high quality wound healing um, special bandages and things like that that are actually designed for burn patients and things. So um, I've just put one of those on and I'm hoping for the best. Well, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing because, you know, what was your hesitation to taking him to emergency, it's the fact that you don't want to be in hospitals or in health systems at the moment, I'm guessing, because that was that's Absolutely. my hesitation. You know, you, you want to use telehealth, and yet here's the government coming out saying if you have urgent medical needs, you still need to go and see your doctors and need to do your things. But there's an apprehension around all of it that you don't want to expose your children, yourself, anybody um, to a system that's A, potentially overloaded or could be overloaded, and B, to a virus. Absolutely. I mean... Also, I also do feel a bit guilty going up there with technically what is a graze mm. when they're potentially short-staffed due to COVID-19. Yeah. Um, or, but I also don't want my slightly immunocompromised you know, child yeah. up at the hospital as well, um, you know, it's, who it's touches, so who has sensory hard. issues as it is and wants to Touch roll everything. his face along you know the back of the seat and run his hands up along the walls and everything um so uh, yeah we just decided not to go Mm. yeah I, I think there's a lot of people who are in that situation and as you said maybe telehealth might be an option you know if those wounds don't start to heal quickly I mean yeah but I mean how am I gonna oh I don't know I guess I do it on my phone as opposed to the I computer yeah. set up oh, I'd and love to so know then I can kind it, of show the doctor the wound. Yeah, I, I think mean, so. I think that's probably, and, and you know, they might say it, it, it needs dressing properly and you might have to get somebody else to look at it. But it is, it's, it's, I don't really understand how it works. I'd be fascinated to know if any of our listeners have already used telehealth and what experiences yeah. they've had with it because I haven't had to use it yet. Actually, that'd be really good. I'll, I'll pop something up on the Facebook page, Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast. And if you have used telehealth, then um, jump on there and share your experience with everybody so we kind of know what to expect when mm. it does happen. Yeah, even if it's been a, a positive or a negative experience or e- even it's been for something minor, I'd love to know who's used it, um, what the outcome has been and if you've thought it was a valuable substitute for actually going to a GP surgery or something like that. I mean, I know the boys are due for their four-year immunisation. They haven't had those the boosters yet and we're trying to get our flu shots and even those are making me nervous and they're normally things I just rock up and you know do but I'm like oh you know there's just so much apprehension with getting anything done yeah look I um I, I just I wouldn't want to be just a GP at the moment as well um it must just be so hard for everybody. Yeah, one of my um, one of my good friends, his wife is a GP in Newcastle and they've got three kids um, six and a half. Uh, four and uh, about 15 months 
And uh, I mean, I've I've said, you know, what what's it like on the front line? And they're like, he, he's like, it's just scary because there's not enough PPE, which the the government is addressing. But I just think, you know, if if I'm apprehensive and I'm really nowhere near a front line, just how scary it must be for the GPs, for the all the doctors working at the moment, coming back to young kids. And we know kids are having really good responses and or non responses to these virus, but there still must be so much apprehension and anxiety. Absolutely. Oh. Can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> well, the question is, uh, is that ever going to happen? But I'd love to hear also on the, this note before we wrap up, um, other people who are experiencing maybe different to us, um, things that your kids might be missing out on that you feel they vitally need as a result of this COVID-19. I mean, it's stuff that I didn't even think about until sort of two weeks ago when I was like, God, what am I going to do for speech? What am I going to do for OT? Um, and I can't be the, you know, we're not the only people in these situations, surely. Oh, <laughs> uh, absolutely not. I mean, I know it's definitely been a bit of a topic of conversation for us um, in my circle. And, but I, I don't know, it's just going to be the same as everything. We've just got to keep bumbling through. But for me, the lack of the physio and the gym and the swimming lessons and everything, that really is starting to concern me, particularly those kind of things I don't think will be opening for a while. No, and, you know, it is really hard, as you said, finding that balance as a parent now. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, you know, a whole of season one was built on the challenges of being a multiple parent. And now you've got this additional thing where you can't, you can't take any of that load off your own shoulders. A hundred percent of that load is now on you because it's not just getting them to the physio appointment and remembering to do them. You've now got to do it. Yep. Or try sure. and do it. Right. I, that'll be me out there. You'll hear my neighbours will hear me yelling at the kids probably to, you know, do their physio. And then it just turns into an argument. Yeah. And that's the problem. And the kids don't understand. I mean, it's going to be so interesting for this generation to know long-term the sort of impacts. I think long-term they'll probably be all right, but short-term sort of when they come out of this hibernation that we're all sort of living in at the moment, you know, how they're going to adjust back again. Yeah, it is going to be difficult, that's for sure. Anyway, look, we'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Um, So head to our Facebook page, uh, Talking Twins and More, and um, let us know just how you're going as well. Mm. How are you coping with this? Because uh, it's something that we all need to be um, talking about um, on a frequent basis. So, you know, sharing our our load, so to speak. Mm. And it's okay to say you're not coping with it. I mean, there is a lot of conversation around at the moment, um, a lot of mental health packages that have been released because – it is such a strain and, and different things might be affecting people in different ways. And there might be things about, you know, schooling from home or trying to do PE lessons or God knows what that are causing you anxiety or stress that you didn't anticipate. And it's okay because none of us were expected to be put in this position. I can tell you one thing that's stressing me out is that they do maths completely different at primary school now. Oh, really? And I just can't get my head around this new way of doing it. Um, and I just feel that I'm going to let them down in terms of that. So it's just the little little things. But that is something for me that really has been stressing me out. Yeah. But, you know, we'll deal with it. I'm not the only parent because all other parents are going to have done math differently. I just think, um, I think about these year 12 students who are trying to navigate yeah. their way through their hardest year of their life. And I can't imagine the year 12 
parents who are trying to support their kids in, I mean, I remember if, if I tried to go back and, I mean, I've done two degrees at university, but if I tried to go back and do high school maths or science, I'd probably forgotten it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, trying to get assistance from your parents is just almost an impossibility at that age. Oh. Thankfully, though, I think they'll have um, the online, they'll be well and truly used to doing some stuff online That's and true. things like that. Um, you know, trying to have a, a Zoom session with um, even just the other day with 12 eight-year-olds was a nightmare. Oh, my God. They'll so, be talking over each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was Anyway, it's hard enough for me with the twins. Just you know, WhatsApping the grandparents. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> they just want to look at themselves in the phone instead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Looking forward to it. Take care. It's talking twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.